0: 70% of people, you know, are not like scrolling down, you know, on Amazon. If you look at the heat map, it's like the top half of the screen. The like eye map is just on the images. No one's reading the bullet points. I don't, I can't remember the last time I read bullet points. Obviously it's important for SEO, but if you're not telling that complete story, you know, in those five images, you're losing, you know, 70% of the customers, you know, because they're going to go to another product page that they feel like solves their problem better than yours is.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of IntentWise Connect. I am your host Srinath Reddy, one of the founders and CEO of IntentWise. And what we try to do on this podcast is get experts as guests and dig deep into all things related to marketplace, advertising, data, and analytics. Today I have the pleasure of hosting Dakota Morse, Um, he is the founder of Alt Group. Uh, which is a, a top Amazon focused agency, but he has a super interesting background. We'll dig into that. And he and I will dig into the topic of how to leverage external traffic to spin up the Amazon flywheel. Dakota, great to have you here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm glad to uh, you know hopefully learn some from you, you know, and maybe also spread some knowledge to the uh, Amazon community.
1: Let's do that. What's what was interesting to me about your background, Dakota, is you, know, you have this unique combination where you, know, you have spent some time at Amazon and the Amazon ads team. You also have launched a brand, uh, an eight-figure brand on Amazon, and you also run your agency. That's a super interesting uh, uh, combination of background and experience. Why don't you take a moment, just string us through that experience? So the audience knows, you know, where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, So I uh, went to UMass Amherst, which is a state school in Mass. I did really bad in high school. And then I just got really lucky to honestly get a job at Amazon at the time. uh, The advertising division only had about 50 people in it um, in the US. And then I was this like big-eyed college kid, you know, who had no idea what he was doing. But since there were so few people, I was immediately on calls with CEOs you know of billion dollar companies, just because there was really not enough people. It wasn't like Facebook or Google, you know, which obviously at the time had thousands of employees. you know the Amazon advertising concept was still fairly new. Um, actually, on my first client meeting, um, I was only 20 years old, and I actually couldn't even drink alcohol, which was kind of funny, you know so overall, it was a great experience though you know you you're, you're thrust into this thing that obviously grew very quickly. I think the advertising business now at Amazon's doing like $16 billion, you know, which is pretty insane, you know, and I think it's largely poised to take over, you know, in, in the in the market, you know, with the data that Amazon has. But I had some great opportunities while I was there. I helped launch the uh, China office, um, helped launch the 3P seller advertising business. Um, at the time when I joined, it was only focused on 1P mostly. So really, really got submerged in that. And I, I ended up seeing a lot of brands, D2C brands, um grow rapidly. You know, I'd see brands doing like fifteen thousand dollars in sales or ten thousand dollars in sales per month jump to doing you know $5 million, $10 dollars million in sales per month. And I started to notice these common patterns, you know of why those brands grew so quickly compared to maybe these legacy brands um, that that grew much slower. And a lot of it came down to content. Um, and when I was at Amazon for five years, I got an itch to do something new and decided I want to step out for my agency and, you know, help more brands grow quickly.
1: Fantastic background. I think, uh, you know, very few people have had that front seat view of seeing that Amazon ad business grow. Uh, you know, my expectation is that, you know, they were at, what, $31 billion last year with search and display and all combined. And they had a I think, pretty good quarter in Q3, uh, 30% growth or so. My guess is they'll end up at like 40 billion or so in 2022, which is insane. (laughs) Uh, But appreciate you sharing that background. We can, you know, dive into today's topic. The phrase Amazon flywheel is used a lot, all the time. Uh, Why don't you take a moment, just give us your sense for what does Amazon flywheel mean to you?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think the the flywheel means something different to everyone, which is, I think, kind of funny. You know, a lot of times on uh, Google, you can pinpoint these exact uh, data points that essentially drive more traffic to your website, help you increase, you know, your frequency in SEO, writing good content. But Amazon's, you know, uh, ambiguous flywheel, you know, and the, and the A9 algorithm are kind of vague. And obviously there's clear inputs, you know, obviously your product has to be good. You know, and you obviously have to uh, make sure that your client satisfaction is high. But how do you actually increase, you know, your rank and make sure you're getting closer and closer to number one for relevant keywords? Obviously, advertising is super important. You know, obviously that's where intent wise comes in. Um, I think making sure that you're actually indexing for the right keywords is critical, and you have those right keywords one on your detail page, but two, you know, as part of your advertising strategy. Um, but the other piece of it really comes down, in my opinion, to external traffic. Um, because really there's, there's two main pieces, right? Like there's the traffic you're driving into your page and then there's the actual page itself. And when you're driving in that traffic, there's obviously Amazon's PPC platform, you know, or DSP, um, which has become fairly competitive, you know, but still obviously is a very, very strong lever to pull, you know, for new brands and existing brands. But a lot of people are still not considering external traffic. Um, and, I think a piece that I really wanted to focus on when I launched my agency was having seen those D2C brands that grew so quickly from $10,000 a month, all the way up to seven, $10 million a month. I saw them pulling the external traffic and focusing on an omni-channel strategy um, a lot more specifically than just really trying kind of a race and fighting for like very competitive keywords on Amazon. Um, One example is uh, I worked with a very prominent um, art supply company. While I was at Amazon, and they really just came into the market doing $15,000 a month. And then, you know, after two years, they started crushing Crayola and Farber Castell, who were like these legacy brands. Those legacy brands were just using Amazon advertising, not super effectively, to be honest, but, you know, they were just focusing on trying to win keywords on Amazon, they really were not using any tools, you know, which obviously they should have been. But where this brand really differentiated themselves was using TikTok and Instagram. You know, with affiliates, um, with influencers, to make sure that their story, their mission, what they stood for, and how you know they were different from these legacy brands, really stood out. Um, so I think that's the biggest contributing, or one of the biggest contributing factors to the flywheel right now is Amazon wants to see this highly qualified external traffic that you're essentially pushing in. Um, you've seen them roll out programs like Amazon Attribution, you know, and all these things that don't clearly like add up exactly to, you know, how that's going to help your pages, you know, but just their effort in these areas, I think designates that, you know, you can grow um, with driving that outside traffic. And we have seen that um, with our own brand that we have in-house within our agency, you know, and we also focus that on on that lever highly for our partners and, you know, see the numbers adding up to success.
1: External traffic, right? So, and by the way, I want to dig into Amazon attribution uh, in a little bit in the conversation. Uh, obviously, TikTok and Instagram, you know, we hear about those a lot. But what are all those channels that are great for sourcing external traffic?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the more you think about how, so inside inside All Group, um, we have several of our own brands. Um, one of our top brands is in the uh, emergency food preparedness Category, which is an interesting niche, you know, and obviously saw pretty explosive growth during uh, you know, the, the pandemic. You oh, know, yeah. and we we were obviously positioned well um for that, but we could have launched a brand, you know, on Amazon like any other brand, you know, but the lever we really wanted to pull was rich content because now what you're seeing is especially a younger demographic, you know, people that are anywhere from, you know, where our target market is, like 20 to like 35 is pretty much exclusively spending time on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, right? Like most of the shoppers go to Amazon and they're on Amazon for like two minutes, right? Amazon's created this like hyper-efficient shopping experience and like fighting for that like two minutes of or 30 seconds of mind share on Amazon is like very difficult. And Amazon's definitely getting better at, you know, creating programs like Amazon Live and they're trying to make video content richer on Amazon because they want to increase, you know, that dwell time that people are actually on the platform. But what about like that other 90% of time or 95 or 99.9% of time, you know, that people are not on Amazon, you know, think about, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you go on like TikTok and things and you're checking or, you know, obviously like we all know that that, that dwell time's increasing, you know, so we, uh, we just focused on making really rich content that educated our customers. Um, and we really focused on our core channels being TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've seen, you know, just explosive growth through the virality of those platforms, specifically video content, though, like statics now are just not, you know, really working anymore.
1: And at the risk of revealing my age, I'm going to say I don't hang out as much on TikTok or Instagram. Well, my kids do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting so tiktok instagram youtube obviously google owns youtube and meta is behind instagram do you also see opportunities from google search and facebook or meta as sources of traffic or you know you know what you've seen so far is it primarily these three channels of course there's something common about these two channels which is they are just much better platforms for creative expression and Maybe that, that is the common theme here, but you know, any thoughts uh, And in terms of what you're seeing uh, in, from the native platforms like Google and Meta?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think it's interesting because a lot of traditional companies just think about like quote unquote paid media spend. Um, and then there's this huge bucket of what we now call like organic media spend, um, which I, I think is like, you're starting to see these companies pop up that focus on uh, what's called like UGC, media user-generated content Um, and it's historically not been a big focus for these like legacy brands you know a lot of them focus on like there'll be a team of like brand dollars and then there'll be a team that has like channel dollars and then it's like to me that's that's like an outdated way outdated model and they don't they
1: don't necessarily talk to each other
0: (laughs) no they never talk to each other and then fighting you know for those brand dollars that team has their own goals you know and then this team has their goals but like the goals need to be in unison, ultimately, you know, because that's really what drives the the business forward, especially when it's becoming more and more honestly competitive to like actually capture that mind share of customers. And uh, I'm sure I'm speaking for your kids a little bit, or you, or everyone, you know. But no one wants to see this, uh, you know, like artificial content anymore, you know. And I think like a lot of people look at like going back to your question, like the paid media on Facebook or the paid media on Google, you know, you used to be able to show like a, a banner ad, you know, and that was compelling to like a certain generation, you know, but no longer is that the case, you know, you're really needing to have this like rich media content on Facebook, on Google, and YouTube, where it's like, again, that user generated content is working super well. For us, you know, it's an, it's an influencer saying like, this is why I love the product. This is how it helped me. And really focusing you know, on the be- benefits and the differentiations that that brand has. Um, and like with that, we're, we're both doing organics. We're quote unquote organic, where we're paying uh, you know, those influencers to actually like create that content post it on their channel. So it reaches you know, yeah. their follower base. And then we're taking that content, they'll send it to us afterwards, and then we'll edit it into like highly compelling video ads And then we'll distribute that content, you know, across those platforms, you know, through paid advertising. Um, And then obviously, like to tie it all together, you know, it's important not just to spray and pray, you know, send all that content out there, you know, but to obviously like understand, you know, how that content, you know, is growing the brand, you know, and that's, that's where I think a lot of these legacy companies will find this strategy interesting is like actually measuring that increase over time, which, you know, we've definitely seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's a there's a super interesting call out here that I'd like to reiterate just, just for the audience. You know, you frame the term as organic media spend versus paid media spend. Um, and a lot of the external traffic reference you're making is around generating rich organic, actually rich media, and you bucket that under organic media. And then the other key point is you need the strategy needs to be in unison between the two. And even in the use case that you just called out, which is there's this continuous spectrum of get great content created, leverage that great content uh, and, and get that created kind of organically, but also leverage that content uh, in your uh, paid advertising strategy. So it's not siloed set of tactics that are actually fairly tightly integrated. As I think about you you know as I hear you speak about um, these new creative forms of um, content creation, is this only applicable to consumer-centric brands? like what if I'm an industrial supply, right? Like <laughs> or some um, uh, one of these one of these categories that are let's just say not end consumer centric per se. does this does this still apply?
0: Yeah, I, I think in many ways, actually, it applies almost more to those categories, just because in many cases, those those brands can be less relatable, you know, in many cases than like direct to consumer products. Um, and in many cases, the, the content that historically has existed to kind of spread the information about those uh, services or whatever it might be, uh, more like B2B focused products has been kind of artificial and stale. A lot of it's like these like old existing relationships. Um, and what's interesting is like, you can actually use these concepts in these like less competitive categories where like historically like UGC content has not been used. You know, this organic media spend has not been used and really face almost like no competition, you know? And I think that's where it gets really interesting is that you can, uh, like say, for example, in like my, category of emergency preparedness, you know, I'm fighting against, you know, I'd say like 10 other guys that have kind of, you know, figured out this strategy to a degree. We're definitely the best at it. No question. Like we're definitely like much, much better, but they, they're fighting, you know, in some cases for the same influencers, you know, for the same kind of content creators. Um, And then in these other categories though, which are sometimes untapped uh, you can actually really just crush it and, you know, get to the top of Google search, you know, or get to the top of Amazon search for certain categories much more quickly. That's actually a strategy that uh, a lot of Amazon sellers are taking right now is they look for these categories, you know, that have historically like not been innovated upon, you know, or like there is kind of this like lack of, uh, you know, that like D2C rocket ship company, you know, like targeting something like uh, traffic safety or like bathroom cleaning supplies, you know, or something like that, you can create content in those categories, which are historically seen as not sexy, you know, and then be that like rapidly growing player, you know, that captures like seven, eight figures, you know, in your Amazon business hyper quickly. Um, the last thing I'll touch on there is, uh, there's obviously this like organic media spend. Um, and then there's this paid media spend, which we talked about, but there's also like SEO strategy, um, for your website. Um, which I think is really important. Um, this also kind of ties a loop of you actually with the with the UGC content you're publishing. You know, obviously, like how your product's better, how it's differentiated. Um, with your SEO content, you're focused more on answering like the big questions in your category. You know, so for us, for example, with uh, emergency preparedness, you know, we'll say like we'll answer, we'll write a blog post that says, how many, you know calories of food do I need to have, you know, to survive a year or something mm. like that, you know, which is an important thing that people are typing in and it's something that they want to know. And if you're writing that consistent content, you're actually getting traffic from Google. You know, they start yeah. to send traffic, they web crawl you, they see that you have this good content. If you have the good content on your site and then it's obviously an e-commerce site, people are going to stick there and say, oh, this was a great article, you know, that yeah. talks about this problem that I have you know, and then they'll actually say like, Oh, this, these guys sell solutions, you know, that solve this problem, you know, and it it helps build that like brand credibility. Right. I'd say that's even more interesting and important, you know, in these like B2B categories, you know, are these like unsexy categories, because again, I'm competing for SEO traffic um, on Google, whereas in a lot of categories, you know, you can create articles that answer like the important questions get crawled by Google you know, an yeah. index to like top five, you know, honestly, within like a month yeah. or two, which I think is crazy.
1: What well, well, one of the interesting questions that I've, I've seen clients pose um, in the past is uh, external traffic. Do you send it to your own D2C site? Do you send it to Amazon? How should brands think about that choice, right? Yeah. Uh, what makes sense thing. when? Yeah. Obviously, D2C is where they would... That they would be sending their traffic today but you know make that case for you know perhaps a sliver of that should go to their listings on amazon
0: yeah i so there's a, there's a couple ways to think about that And we've done a number of tests um to kind of analyze how we go about that uh one i think i think it's most valuable typically to drive tra- traffic to your d2c site to start you know because you need to understand like which sources are driving the most qualified traffic that's most likely to convert. Um, I think conversion rate of the traffic super important because you don't want to be driving like bad traffic to your site. But on your site, you know, it doesn't really matter if this traffic converts at you know 0.01 percent, you know, or converts at 10 percent. You know, there's no real impact, you know, to your site at the end of the day. It's just you might be wasting some money. On you know inefficient sources, whereas on Amazon, if you're driving, and this is again, no one knows exactly how the flywheel works, but if you're driving unqualified traffic to your detail page, and your conversion rate starts to go down of that detail page, um, your unit session percentage is going to start to go down. And conversion rate of detail pages is one of the top uh, metrics that Amazon looks at in order to decide you know which listings it shows at the top of search results. Right. So Amazon's always incentivized you know, at the end of the day to show the customer, you know, the one, two, or three top products that they're most likely to buy. They don't want to show them some piece of junk product, right? Because Amazon wants to make as much money as possible, you know, and if it's showing bad products, people return them and ultimately, you know, it won't help them make more money. So with driving traffic to your site, you know, obviously like Customers are going to be able to kind of interpret and see what's going on. But a lot of customers ultimately, you know, will see the products on your site and still de- still decide to buy on Amazon, which I think is like another thing that people don't really weigh. Um, we work with a number of uh, like grocery brands um, and uh, we work with a number of startup grocery brands as well, um, electronics, home goods. Um, we also work with a few service companies and also one uh, software provider. And with all of those companies, honestly, like I'd say about half the companies we work with um, don't actually sell like solutions or products on their site. Funny enough, you know, but they do have, you know, something they provide on Amazon, whether it be through Amazon Fresh, you know, or whatever. And it's just so important though, sometimes to educate that consumer on your site. Yeah, because you can tell a very like deep story on your site. You can have a great video on the landing page, whatever it might be. And if that customer is compelled enough to like understand your brand, understand your product and your solution, you know, from what you've shown on the site, they'll then jump over to Amazon. And again, I think that's where Amazon attribution kind of stems from is that Amazon's oftentimes seeing that this, this traffic that's coming from like a highly well built site um, is often converting better on their platform. And they kind of want to tie together, you know, what, what that customer journey looks like, you know, understanding that. You know, if a brand is willing to invest in that customer being educated and then drive them to Amazon, you know, there should be some type of, uh, you know, interpretation of that and hopefully an increase in that.
1: Super interesting framing here. So uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the, the strategy that you know, you're recommending here is use your D2C site to figure out what external traffic converts the best uh because you know uh, bringing in traffic that doesn't convert certainly on from a, on the on-site experience standpoint like there's not as much as a negative but don't send low converting traffic to your amazon pages so figure that out and then find those sources that are best for conversion rates and then send those uh to amazon that is that short like a very high yeah, level summary yeah
0: that's that's a succinct way of saying it for sure the uh i would just say one other thing is uh there's a lot of affiliate tools now that you can build out for your like Shopify site or whatever it might be, if you're an Amazon brand or an e-commerce brand. Um, and why I love those tools is oftentimes you can incentivize affiliates. Affiliates are people who essentially write uh, like blog articles, you know, and a lot of them will be like, say you're like a air purifier brand, you know, yeah. it'll, there'll be a person that, you know, writes a website that's like top 10 airpurifierscom You know, and a lot of times you'll look up like, most of the Amazon customer journeys are like, okay, this product's like over a hundred dollars. The first thing they're gonna do is jump to Google and type in like best whatever, right? And I, I'm guilty of it. I always go to YouTube before I pretty much buy anything over a hundred dollars. And you can index, you know, within those sites. And if you have an affiliate program built out, they click on that link. And then a lot of them are gonna drive those affiliate links directly to Amazon. Amazon yeah. um, so they are gonna be part of like the Amazon affiliates program. But sure. the thing is, the Amazon affiliates program pays out a very low percentage of commission. They typically are only paying out like below three percent. I think a lot of categories now are only like one percent. But again, the volume on Amazon for these affiliates is high, you yeah. know. So they're all, a lot of times, you know, willing to you know accept that one percent because it's one percent of a big pie. Whereas uh, you can reach out to these affiliates, you know, owning your own Shopify site, and say, hey, if you drive the traffic to my site you know instead of driving it to amazon i'll pay you 8% 10% mm. right mm. it's a no brainer because on amazon you know the the average a cost that i pay for a lot of my products is like 20 25% yeah. you know if you have that margin some brands are paying 40 50% a costs you know i know obviously some people you know your 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 customers might be paying 5% with the efficiency you guys drive but the uh the thing is at the end of the day like It's just important to understand that, like, okay, I can pay 8% instead of paying 20% on Amazon for certain things. I can educate that customer on my site. And then when they make it to Amazon, they're going to type in exactly what they want, you know, and I won't then need to pay, you know, for like that sponsored click, you know? So I think that's just, and then again, your conversion rate is staying high on Amazon, and that helps spin the flywheel, you know, a whole lot faster.
1: Makes sense. You talked about ACOS. I heard you say unit session percent. Uh, so let's talk about metrics and tracking. So I mean, uh, obviously with external traffic, there will always be tracking challenges. You also mentioned Amazon Attribution, which is something Amazon introduced a little while back to help with tracking external traffic. Talk to me about your measurement stack today. And I know it's a universe that can't be perfect just because of just the nature of it. But uh, walk me through how are you measuring things in terms of tools you use to try to stitch these together, or maybe you're not. And also what metrics are you looking at? Just walk us through that.
0: Yeah. I, I think there's a big opportunity in the market for, you know, an improved product here, you know, and I'm obviously really excited to see what you guys are going to do, you know, with the analytics program that you're building out right yeah. now. Um, Cause I know that you guys are obviously looking to kind of connect that. Um, but I think what we're doing today that's working for us and working for our clients is, one, you know, with our Shopify site, Shopify brings forward a lot of metrics, you know, about where traffic's coming from, which traffic is converting the best, um, whether that be like social, organic. Um, and then since they've kind of created this uh, app ecosystem, they have uh, access, you know, to how many sales, like the different apps are driving. So if you're using, you know, Clavio for emails, you know, or Attentive for SMS, those tools will have there you know, essentially like plugins to Shopify and they'll be able to say how many sales they're driving. You know, obviously the attribution sometimes can be duplicative, I believe. And no one's really like answered that question exactly of saying like, Klaviyo's like, we got this sale. And then,
1: you know, last click, Facebook could
0: say they got that sale. And like, who really knows at the end of the day, like who's driving what sales. But again, I always believe like, as long as the metrics are going in the right direction, you know, that's what's most important. Um Google Analytics is obviously like a critical tool, you know, and everyone should obviously have like Google Analytics, you know, installed and make sure that they understand like where the traffic's coming from. Um Google Tag Manager is super important, you know, to understand like which which parts of your site are like actually getting the clicks, you know, and like which apps are like triggering those clicks. Um yep. typically you got to have like a developer set that up, but it's really worth it once you have it going. Um we're mm-hmm. using uh, was like, I'm
1: sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so so that's like, these are all kind of focused on the D2C side of things. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm also curious about tracking on Amazon for external traffic. Curious to see what you're doing around that, especially with Amazon attribution.
0: So we are not, Doing a ton right now, honestly, for how we track on Amazon. Um, what we're doing in most cases is giving uh, influencers or affiliates like an Amazon code. Uh, um, so you can generate like a coupon code on, on in Seller Central. Um, and then you can obviously give them that code. And then when they actually do those posts, you know, start to, uh, you know, see how often that coupon code is being redeemed. Uh, and then a lot of them will include that coupon code, you know, on their site. And then you can obviously see those redemptions, but it's definitely not as robust, you know, today as we're doing on Shopify. I know there's a lot of people in the market now trying to build out, uh, you know, quasi-affiliate affi- like stacks that sit between um, like the brand and Amazon, and they act as like an intermediary to try to sure. interpret that traffic. Um, and I think that's like an incredibly hot space, you know, because again, if you can pay 10% to an affiliate versus paying Amazon 25% of that sale a no-brainer.
1: Yeah. What's interesting to me about this conversation, Dakota, is just overall emphasis on content, creative content, uh, especially if you want to play in channels like TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And what that aligns with also is a theme I saw at Unboxed, which was Amazon's conference earlier this, uh, you know, um, last month um, in New York, where they're putting so much emphasis on making creative resources available to advertisers and brands through their platform. So uh, great alignment there. Um, I'm curious, what is the implication on the brand teams, right? What skills should they think about building and development? Of course they should, you know, probably work with agencies like yours. But if I, if I'm in charge of an e-com team inside a brand, what skills should I think about adding that is different from the past?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, again, going back to a little bit of uh, the two main levers of Amazon, right, are driving traffic, you know, paid traffic or organic traffic depending. And then, you know, the actual like conversion rate of the detail page. And most brands will just say like, okay, I'm spending 50,000. I want to spend 100,000 you know, or I want to spend 200,000 or the spend is not working. So I need to drop all of our spend, you know, or I want to, our spend is capped at 100K. Like we should jump into DSP, you know, right away. And like they all, so many brands only think in this bucket, which I think is incredibly important. And obviously I think for a lot of brands, you know, they're they're underspending, you know, in terms of what they could be. And the reason I say that is because they haven't focused on what that customer experience is on Amazon. If you really think about it, most of the customers are looking at five images of your product, and that's what they're using to make, you know their their buying decision, right? But how come so few brands actually think about changing those five images in order to increase the conversion rate mm. of their products, right? How come so few brands think about, oh, if this video is maybe not quite explaining our product well enough or it could be a little bit more compelling, you know, or yeah. we could build out better a plus content, you know, for people that, you know scroll down, and, and we actually saw that at Amazon. Obviously, they have internal tools, but we saw heat maps, you know, of how customers like dwell the detail pages, you know. And there's actually a, a statistic, and I believe it's public, but basically, that 70% of people, you know, are not like scrolling down, you know, on Amazon. If you look at the heat map, it's like the top half of the screen, the like IMAP is just on the images, no one's reading the bullet points. I don't, I can't remember the last time I read bullet points. Obviously, it's important for. SEO, but if you're not telling that complete story, you know, in those five images, you're losing, you know, seventy percent of the customers, you know, because yeah. they're going to go to another product page that they feel like solves their problem better than yours is, you know, and then you get those thirty percent of people that are scrolling down, like the A plus content. Now you have A plus premium content, and Amazon's really focusing on this video piece. Video. yes. You know, you're yes. seeing you're seeing video more than ever, which I love. You know, obviously a video agency, um, but the video in my, so video, there's a statistic basically about, I think it's like 80% of customers would rather watch a video about a product than read about the product. Right. And there's always the thing like a picture's, you know, worth, you know, a thousand words. So then like a video would be worth a trillion words, you know, whatever it might be, you know, because the video is a bunch of pictures. So I think internally, these brand teams need to be focusing on how can they increase like the, the content on those pages? you know make sure they're as compelling as possible you know so that, that conversion rate you know even if it goes yeah. up 2%, think about if you're a brand that's doing you know 10 million dollars, 100 million dollars on Amazon like these bloody bigger companies are why wouldn't you look to grow that conversion rate by 1, 2, 3% you know and then that paid traffic is not going to drop in efficiency it's only going to go up in efficiency it's going to open up those next level of brackets for your your spend
1: you know investment in content is always i think tricky business inside brands and frankly this is a question uh, we faced a lot when i had was working at uh, my previous role which is how much do you invest in content how do you justify it and i always found out that like the more measurement and testing abilities become available the easier it becomes right so being able to let's say ab test video a versus video b uh, and then proving the difference in conversion rates you know that that will make i think um, the budget allocation decisions um, a whole lot simpler. But I think your point here is like going forward with the emphasis that's put on, for example, video by Amazon, the emphasis on quality content creation, it has always been important, but it will get increasingly more important, right? Um, right? I think that's that's kind of the key point here. If other there thing, is, sorry, oh, I was no, gonna no.
0: say one other piece was that. You're seeing, like to your point about testing, you're seeing Amazon do all these tests now with video content, you know? And like I've seen recently where you're on the mobile app or even, I think I saw it on desktop the other day, but you do a search like for supplements, you know, vitamin C and Amazon will show the image. And then like immediately it changes into the video on the detail page. And as you scroll, it starts to autoplay these videos, you know, you're seeing sponsored brand video pop up in more placements than ever. I've seen sponsored brand video pop up on detail pages now yeah. you know, for competing brands. So Amazon's clearly doing all of these tests to try to increase their own conversion yeah. rate, which I yeah. think is really interesting, you know, yeah. and like, I always like to take the mindset of like, I'm just going to copy what Amazon does. <laughs> you know, cause like, obviously yeah. if they're doing this, it's important. Like they, they're smarter than anyone out there about like how to increase the conversion rate of their own, you know, product. You know, so I just always try to follow that. One of my other things that we always do is we look at how they set up the detail pages, you know, on their Alexa products. You know, interesting. And how they set up the detail pages on like the Ring products, you know, because who do you think is actually going in and like measuring those? The smartest people, right? So they're gonna like always have the best practices. So like, why wouldn't I just copy that, right? And then we we've, we've definitely seen, you know, the effectiveness of that.
1: That's a that's a great. Uh, um... A great point. A great tip, actually. So go go check out the detail pages of Alexa and Ring and, you Amazon know. Amazon Basics is another one.
0: Obviously good price, but like they're doing the best practices. They're going to have data that we're not going to have access to, obviously. We are doing a lot of A-B testing, though, with experiments now, which sure. I love um, because we'll do an experiment, for example, where like we'll show our product, you know, just the product. And then yeah. we'll do the B, which is the uh our product, but we'll explode it out. So it'll show like every single thing that's like included in the product, you know. And over time, we found that you know the exploded view where you see all the value and every little piece, you know, is, is what's working better, right? And hypothetically. And then once we take that, okay, what if we put these pieces here, you know, and these pieces over here in the next experiment? We yeah. might not see a huge increase, but even if I see, you know, a 025 percent. Increase, you know, in that hero image, you yeah. know, having having like a better, uh, you know, conversion rate. Why wouldn't I just keep trying those experiments? It literally costs uh, my graphic designer maybe like fifteen minutes to make that change, you yeah. know, for a 025 percent increase in conversion rate. Which at the end of the de- end of the year, you know, could be another hundred thousand dollars. You know, for these yeah. bigger brands, that could be that could be millions of dollars to just literally move this thing over here so that more customers click on it versus clicking on, you know,
1: a competitor's product. Absolutely. What did we miss? Dakota, any any parting advice for the audience uh, when it comes to external traffic? I'd say the last
0: thing, honestly, is like, just always testing and learning, I think is the biggest thing. Um, I uh, I think we we got connected because I'm always trying to look for new solutions, you yes. know, in the market to like kind of tie this piece together, you know, looking for better data. Looking for better advertising options. Um, I think a lot of people get very uh, comfortable on Amazon um, or Shopify or whatever it might be. But as soon as you get comfortable, the brand over here is going to figure out a little like, air, like angle to like what you're doing, and they're going to start to surpass you. You know, we're seeing more Chinese sellers on Amazon. You know, and I, I support Chinese sellers because I think there should be you know like affordable offerings for products. But I also don't support them sometimes because you know they undercut and sometimes. You know don't don't always portray their products, you know, in a, in a fully accurate light. But yeah. I think it's important to always think about how you're going to stand ahead and continue to elevate your brand because I believe that having a brand and something that customers can trust is still kind of the last or one of the last frontiers, you know of how we can continue to grow on Amazon. Um, and that that factor of experimentation, you know, comes down to saying like, yeah, this thing might result in nothing, you know, or testing this new ad platform might result in nothing. You know, but if it's a, you know, a a risk, you know, that that could potentially pay off into having value, I think it's always worth testing. Um, That's where we kind of came into the market with the, the content idea, you know, and we, we launched the content idea, you know, doing the outbound, you know, reaching out to the influencers and that whole strategy, tried it out, you know, we saw people doing it, we thought it would work, tested it for our brand, built our brand to eight figures, you know, in under a year, you know, so clearly it did work, you know, and now we're helping more brands do the same thing. So I think it always comes down to testing, trying. We're getting really deep into TikTok now, um, which I think is kind of this this next massive channel. Um, we're figuring out a lot of the best practices there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're also looking at a few other apps now um, in terms of, uh, you know, where, where, where the next traffic might be coming from, you know, and always trying to stay on that frontier.
1: Fantastic. Well, this has been uh, super insightful. Uh, and really, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, especially through some of your kind of hands-on, specific use cases. Dakota, thank you so much for your time. for anyone in the audience that wants to learn more about external traffic, creative content, please feel free to reach out to Dakota Morse uh, at Alt Group. And uh, again, thank you for your time. Thank you, appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for listening. Check out the past episodes of Intendwise Connect at slash podcast.